Welcome everybody to Weiss Camera Action. I'm your host, Aaron Weiss, alongside the Duchess of Decatur, Erica Jane Lavender. I don't know why I expected you to say your own name that part, but... You uh, also just called me the wrong name. I just, what the... If it's not the wrong city, it's the wrong name. <laughs> Why'd you have to get married, you know? <laughs> someone, someone agreed to it, so I guess I just did. We are the Weisses hosting Weiss Camera <laughs> Action, and you know what? We haven't recorded in a while. Things have been kind of busy, as they tend to get, but we are back with Harry Potter in review, and we are so excited because this, Erica, is our favorite movie, is it not? It sure is. That you you might be wondering, oh, what movie were they on again? Um, this is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Which, if this is not your favorite Harry Potter movie, you're wrong. I was gonna say I'd love to hear your reason as to why, because I can't imagine this not being everyone's favorite. Right. I mean, it, it's. I'm, I'm gonna go with the reason that it's my favorite, real quick, because that was. I feel like that's a pretty natural transition. Yeah, hit us with it. Um, I think it's so different than any of the other Harry Potters. Um, it doesn't have quite the same uh, kid-friendly tone that the prior two movies had. Although it's not exactly like super scary or anything either. It's not like it's not like a much much darker it is darker but i wouldn't say it's like as dark as seven right right i agree um but it it just has this like this polish and finish on it that only a director of the caliber of alfonso Cuaron could uh put on it and he coincidentally has won an academy award for directing and so just seeing his thumbprint on the Harry Potter franchise is really cool. And I think that even though some of the CGI hasn't aged very well in the past 17 or so years, um, it has some of the most striking visuals and just camera shots. Um, some of the just really gorgeous shots um, that like, I feel like I could um, screenshot any of them and just make it my background on my computer. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's exceptionally well-written, not like the first two weren't like we we've said that the first two are really well-written and follow the books pretty closely. Um, it's just that, um, I feel like the characters are really coming into their own as they're getting older and they're like, um, getting more rapport with each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've even heard Daniel Radcliffe say he thinks that this movie is his best acting in any mm-hmm. of the movies. And he credits that to Gary Oldman, having him on set for the first time. It really like made Daniel step up his game as an actor, and he wanted to like match Gary Oldman's um, talent, which I think is really cool. Right, and when you have, um, when you have an actor to the caliber of Gary Oldman, I mean, he, he's one of those people that make the people around him better. Yes. Um, also, I, I unfortunately they had to recast Dumbledore because the previous Dumbledore had passed away. Um, but I think it works out because this Dumbledore has kind of a more compelling um, screen presence. He's, he's more commanding. 
Um, and I, he's who I imagine Dumbledore being when I'm reading the books, even though sometimes the writing doesn't seem exactly like things that Dumbledore would do in the movies. Um, but we'll get to that in other, specifically other movies, but, um, in this one, I think he's perfect. Yeah. I think he's great in this one as well. Um, what, for now, well, I was going to ask, what are some of the things that make it your favorite? Oh, okay. Um, Wow. Well, I think that this was the movie that we always had on in the house growing up. So I used to wonder if it was my favorite because it was the one I had seen the most. But really, when I look at them all, I've seen them all a million times at this point. I I still choose this one as my favorite. It's a perfect, for me, it's a perfect transition between the Christopher Columbus movies and the... Um, Help me with the guy's name who directed the last four. Uh, David somebody. David Yates. David Yates. Yeah, there yep. it is. Um, I think it's the perfect transition movie between those two tones. Whereas, not to get too far ahead, I think that the fourth movie, Goblet of Fire, misses the mark a little bit. But I think this one does not miss the mark at all. I think it's absolutely perfect. Um, there's still some kind of kooky moments. Like, I can think of scenes... For example, like the Whomping Willow scene in this one where uh, Harry and Hermione are like dodging the branches and playing almost jump rope with the branches and they're swinging around on it. Like that's kind of a silly scene. You know what I mean? Like the stakes are high, but it just looks kind of um, like it's supposed to be goofy and to like intrigue a child. You know what I mean? So it still has that kind of like childlike magical element while still really... Um, highlighting kind of the darker tones of the movie too, which I think is, you know, like I'm saying, the perfect transition between those two vibes of the earlier movies and the later movies. And um, I just think that it gets like Harry's, there's a, I guess there's a lot of reasons why it's so good. It gets Harry's hair right for the first time, which is cool. The crazy messy look, which is such a little detail, but one that kind of sticks out to me. And, which I guess this isn't, isn't really credit to the director so much as just credit to J.K. Rowling, but we get so many awesome characters in this movie. Yeah, it really starts to build the world more. We get more. Sirius, we get Remus, we get Pettigrew, which of course no one likes Pettigrew, but a very important character with one of the biggest plot twists mm-hmm. in the history of plot twists mm-hmm. about who P- Pettigrew is. So cool, so crazy. Um... Anyways, I think that as we continue, like as we maybe read some fun facts that I have pulled up, and when we read the plot, um, I can continue to give a little insights as to what about it is just so amazing to me. But I think it is the best Harry Potter movie. Hit me with some fun facts, Erica. I got you. I thought this one was sweet. So Gary Oldman, who played um, Sirius Black... This fact says, aware of his fondness for music, Gary Oldman presented Daniel Radcliffe with a bass guitar as a gift when they first met. Oh, that is really sweet. Isn't that amazing? I thought that was cool. It's also um, kind of funny to picture. He's, Daniel Radcliffe was probably like, I don't know, 13 when they first met. Yeah. And I don't know. That's actually a pretty good age to get a guitar or a bass guitar. I agree. Um... Oh, this one I thought was kind of cool. J.K. Rowling has said that Remus Lupin is one of her favorite characters, and if that she could meet any of her characters, she would likely choose him. Mm. 
I kind of agree with that. I think he's a great one. Remus is a top tier character in both the books and the movies. Um, this one I think is, I I kind of keep choosing fun facts that actually have nothing to do with the movie and more to do with <laughs> J.K. Rowling or actors and whatever. But I think that they're interesting. J.K. Rowling based the Dementors on her b- battle with depression, which I don't know if you knew that. I had heard that before, and I think it's actually yeah. a very, um, like a very striking. Well, the way she, she the did. way she describes the effect of the Dementors sounds like a description of depression from someone who, like, has suffered from depression. You know, mm-hmm. like it sounds like I can definitely see where she's coming from. Um, do you want me to get one more? Um, I don't, uh, I don't really have a fact, but I just, I was, I was thinking about something when you mentioned the Whomping Willow, and this is actually something that I've had an issue with for a while. Um, the location of the Whomping Willow is pretty constant from Azkaban on. Um, but it's very different from Chamber of Secrets to Azkaban. In Chamber of Secrets, it is not on any sort of incline or hill. It's kind of close-ish to the, the, um, Forbidden Forest. Um, but in, in Azkaban on, it's on some sort of incline, um, and it's uphill a little bit from the Forbidden Forest, and... I know that like movie magic created the Hogwarts that we like know and love, but I, it, I'm glad that it stayed consistent for more movies than not. I am a little bit sad that it couldn't be consistent for all the films. Yeah. Hmm. That's not really a fact, but it's just something I wanted to point out. Let's get into the plot. Let's do it. The year is 1993. Shortly after the end of his second year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, during the second film, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, spends another dissatisfying summer at the Dursleys' house, studying magic at night without being caught. While family vacations to Egypt and France, respectively, are being spent by his friends, Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, both of whom he is determined to join in visits to the village of Hogsmeade, if he has either his Aunt Petunia or Uncle Vernon sign his Hogsmeade permission form. On his 13th birthday, he gets the opportunity to do so as long as he hides his abilities while Vernon's sister Marge arrives for a visit. I just want to say really quick, I feel like that's worded a little bit weird. They would visit Hogsmeade once they get to Hogwarts. And mm, that would be like mm-hmm. weekend trips. He's not trying to go to Hogsmeade over the summer. Right, yeah. This... this Summary assumes that you've either seen or read. Yeah, for sure. The movie. Slash Which book. I bet you guys all have. Right. Um, if you haven't, what are you doing here? Go just... Turn <laughs> turn off this podcast and go watch the movie. This is full spoilers, dog. Full spoilers. Um, however, at dinner time, Marge viciously insults Harry and his parents, calling James Potter useless and Lily Potter a bitch. Which... <laughs> in turn triggers Harry 
Harry's anger and his unconscious magical powers cause her to inflate and float away. A livid Vernon orders Harry to put her right, but Harry says that she deserved it. Vernon then lunges at him, but Harry retaliates by pointing his wand at him. Vernon exclaims that Harry would not be allowed back at Hogwarts for using his magic outside of school. Harry flees, expecting to have been expelled for using magic outside school anyway. Which such a great scene such a great scene she slowly is inflating the cuckoo clock is going crazy dudley doesn't care he's just eating his food watching tv it's an (laughs) insane scene so good to watch i could watch it a million times after seeing a shaggy black dog the night bus appears and takes harry to the leaky cauldron there the minister for magic cornelius fudge tells harry that he will not be expelled Harry learns that Sirius Black, who is said to be a supporter of Lord Voldemort, has escaped from Azkaban prison. The next day, Harry comes out of his room and finds a cat chasing a rat. Harry enters the pub and is reunited with his best friends, Ron and Hermione. He is also informed by Arthur Weasley that Black will likely come after him and warns Harry to not go after him, no matter what. Harry is confused as to why... He would look for someone who is apparently looking to kill him. Harry doesn't know himself yet. <laughs> he, sure, he sure doesn't. That's kind of his whole yeah. his whole little running thing that he does. Well, he he really like I mean, we're we're listening to uh um Half Blood Prince right now and he just kind of realized who he is. Like Yeah. He just had this long chat with Dumbledore. And Dumbledore's like, don't you see? Like, you would not rest until Mm -hmm. you knew that this dark wizard was dead, this dark wizard was dead. And Harry's like, oh, I guess you're right. (laughs) He just had this huge, stinky epiphany. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we know all along who he is. Um, Harry and his friends journey to the school uh, on the Hogwarts Express, where they share a compartment with their new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Remus Lupin, who is asleep when they enter. Abruptly, the Hogwarts Express is stopped halfway to Hogwarts to let aboard a Dementor sent by the Ministry in search of Black. The creature has a profound effect on Harry and causes him to faint, forcing Lupin to awake and repel it with a Patronus charm. At school, famed Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore informs the Hogwarts students that because Black has escaped, Dementors have been set up around the school as protection. The trio begin also a new class, Divination, taught by Sybil Trelawney. When they read their tea leaves, Trelawney tells Harry that he has a grim. In addition to Lupin's appointment, Hagrid announced is announced as the Care for Magical Creatures teacher. Before we get too into this, <laughs> the scene where Trelawney tells Harry that his tea leaves show a grim is such a crazy... I mean, she said, like she freaks out and she's like, my dear boy, you have the grim. And then there's this one random kid in the class that has never been in another Harry Potter movie a day in his life. Who, like, his he's entire the, role in this movie is to give these scary one-liners. He's the token black kid. Yes, for sure. But it's just, like, who even is he supposed to be? He's he's he, not he's, a character in the book. He's not, um, he's not a named character. He's just, like, someone, some nameless kid in Harry's class in his year that just happens to be there that has a really creepy cadence of talking he's an omen 
of death is what the little boy says. Yeah. Like they could have given that line to anyone. They could have. They didn't have to they didn't have to announce or uh cast this kid to be a creepy And there's kid. already a black kid in here. I know, like, like, give the line to Dean, gosh darn it. Yeah, why not why doesn't Dean have it? <laughs> that make <laughs> And it didn't have to be as creepy as they made it. Or there's other kids in Harry's ear that are super into divination. Right. Like give Lavender it, give it. Or like Parvati. Par- I was going to say, give it to Parvati. Like either of them, I'm sure, would have been delighted to deliver that line. And I think it arguably could have been creeper, creepier if it was delivered by a little girl. Mm. Like Parvati or Lavender. You're probably right. Anyways, I always just thought that scene always sticks out to me. And my dad and I always die laughing when that little boy comes on the screen. Because we're like, who are you? And who told you to say these creepy things? <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. Turns out he grows up to be even more famous than Harry Potter in the Wizarding World. We just haven't read his stories yet. Oh my gosh. I hope J.K. Rowling never writes them. It won't be J.K. Rowling. It will be... It will be E.J. Weiss. Whoa. That'd be sick. Anyways, Hagrid's announces the Care for Graduate <laughs> Creatures teacher. Now it's fun to say. As lessons <laughs> begin, Hermione frequently arrives at their various classes, seemingly apparently out of nowhere. Lupin's lessons prove enjoyable as he teaches useful spells and helps less confident students like level Neville Longbottom. I'm going to jump in again. This is another scene that makes this movie so good. Mm-hmm. The scene where they have their first Defense Against the Dark Arts class with Lupin. He plays some music from his record player. He gives them a really practical hands-on lesson that will, you know, like they get to have their wands out. It's not just reading like theory out of a book. And, um... It's a spell that they can all do, you know? So it really boosts their confidence and teaches them something useful. And they're having a really fun time conquering fears, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great scene that sets the tone of who Lupin is as a, as a teacher and um, makes the movie really fun to watch. Yeah, and it kind of for the first time in the series shows what like a really good teacher looks like. Yes. Um, I mean, you've seen at this point, you've seen McGonagall and Flitwick teach and even have you seen, um, what's her name? The Hufflepuff, uh, professor Sprout. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen her. You've seen all of them teach, and like they have like a very kind of old school way of teaching. And they're not saying that they're bad in any stretch of the imagination, but like Lupin is kind of like this fresh take on like what a good teacher looks right. like. And it's not just lecturing; it's it really is hands on. Um, however, Hagrid's care of magical creatures class does not go as planned, and on the first day, Draco Malfoy deliberately provokes the hippogriff Buckbeak. Oh, that was good. Into it, attacking him. His father, Lucius Malfoy, successfully has Buckbeak sentenced to death. Later, third-year students are allowed to go to Hogsmeade, but since Harry's Uncle Vernon did not sign the letter of permission, he cannot go. He instead stays behind, talking with Lupin on the wooden bridge, who says that he knew Harry's parents and that they were two great individuals. And he really downplays how much he knew them. He does. Like really downplays actually he makes it seem like he knew his mom a lot better than his dad he's like oh i first recognized you harry because of your eyes because they look so much like your mother's eyes Mm -hmm. we were actually really close friends 
And then he says, like, one sentence about his dad. Yeah. Which is interesting, because we come to find out that... They, like, were, were best, best friends. Yeah. Created the Marauders map, etc. Uh, no future spoilers, though. Returning to <laughs> Gryffindor Tower... I already said full spoilers. <laughs> they find the fat lady's portrait empty, having been attacked. Dumbledore and the school caretaker, Argus Filch, find the fat lady in another portrait, completely scared. She says that Sirius Black has entered the castle and wanted to enter Gryffindor Tower. Dumbledore sends all the students to sleep in the Great Hall, in which Professor Snape says to Dumbledore that the appointment of a teacher may have been dangerous. Dumbledore denies this, though both think that Harry may be in danger. Later in Defense Against the Dark Arts class, Snape substitutes for Lupin, saying that he is incapable of teaching. He teaches them about werewolves and animagi. An animagus is a human who can turn into another animal and back into human form when they choose. They can turn only into one animal. So... This is cool to me that they set it up where the audience could be suspicious of Lupin at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is great. I mean, the last two Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers have actually been villains, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, and so far, Lupin has been set up to be... If he's a good guy, he's a really good guy. Mm-hmm. You know? Like... Friends of Harry's parents, so Harry can look up to him in that way. A really amazing teacher has already helped Harry fight off Dementors and keep him safe. It's like, if this is a good guy with no ill intentions, he is a great guy. So the fact that they're setting up some doubt in the audience, like, oh, wait, is he Mm -hmm. actually good? Does he have ties to Sirius Black? I think that's just... I mean, it, it it really can freak you out as an audience member, I think, which is cool. During a Quidditch match, several Dementors approach Harry, causing him to fall off his broomstick. Dumbledore's slow, Dumbledore slows his descent. Harry wakes up to find that his broomstick flew into the Whomping Willow and got torn apart. Harry then decides to learn how to fight the Dementors. Lupin says he will teach him, but after the holidays, since he is not feeling well. Near Christmas, Harry attempts to sneak into Hogsmeade without permission, but is caught by Fred and George Weasley, who give him the Marauder's Map. So that they can enter the village through a secret passage. So that he can enter a village through the secret passage. At Hogsmeade, Harry overhears that Sirius Black was his godfather and his parents' best friend. Black is said to have divulged the Potter's secret whereabouts to Voldemort and they and murdered their mutual friend, Peter Pettigrew. An enraged Harry tells his friends that Oh, that he is... They've left out he. Also, that, this is just a poorly worded sentence for a lot of reasons. That, continue reading. That he is looking forward to Black finding him so that he can kill him. Yep. That he can kill him. Playing the pronoun game. Yeah. Which makes it sound like Harry's like, all right, Sirius Black, just find me and kill me. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what that sentence sounded like. The holidays pass. Teaches, Lupin teaches Harry the spell to conjure a Patronus, a shield or a force. That can repel a demon. A Patronus is the opposite. can repel a what? Dementor. (laughs) Um, A Patronus is the opposite of a Dementor, which breeds on unhappy thoughts and bad memories. The happier the thought used to cast the spell, the more powerful the Patronus. After a few attempts, Harry manages to create a Patronus. One night, Harry is using the Marauder's map, and he sees Pettigrew's name. However, when following his name, he finds no one, but is caught by Snape. 
Lupin appears and sees the map, takes it from Snape, and then gets Harry away. In his classroom, he tells Harry that it was irresponsible of him to wander around with the map. Before leaving, Harry says that the map may not be working properly. He had seen Pettigrew's name on it, despite the fact he's supposed to be dead. Lupin says that it's not possible and stays looking at the map quietly. Bum, bum, bum! In Divination, after everyone has left, Professor Trelawney enters a trance into a trance in Harry's presence and predicts that the Dark Lord's servant will return to his master that night. Harry, Ron, and Hermione visit Hagrid to console him over Buckbeak's impending execution. While there, Hagrid gives Ron his rat scabbers who had disappeared earlier in the year and whom Ron had believed to be dead. While the trio is chasing scabbards, a large black dog drags both Ron and the rat into the whole base at the base of the Whomping Willow. Harry and Hermione follow, finding a tunnel to the shrieking shack. The dog is to re- revealed to be Sirius Black, who is an animagus. Bum, bum, bum! Ooh, and that's so good, because the whole time we know that the shaggy black dog is called the grim a symbol of death we believe that Sirius is a murderer mm-hmm. so the fact that Sirius is the shaggy black dog yo insane insane i wish i could remember the first time i saw that movie because mm-hmm. i bet i was like what like i bet i would be freaking out <laughs> as, <laughs> as the group head back to the castle the full moon rises causing lupin to transform and Pettigrew to escape Lupin and Sirius fight in their animal forms until Lupin is distracted and runs away after hearing the sound of a female werewolf howl, later revealed to be Hermione. Did this skip something? I was about to say. Oh, I did skip something. Sorry, sorry. Lupin, <laughs> ar- Lupin arrives as well and embraces Sirius as an old friend. After being confronted by Hermione, Lupin admits to being a werewolf. Snape appears, planning to catch Black and Lupin and hand them over to the Dementors, but is knocked out by Harry's Expelliarmus spell. Lupin and Black explain that Scabbers is actually Peter Pettigrew in his Anaphagus form. It is revealed that everything that Black was accused of was actually Peter Pettigrew's doing, and the pair force Pettigrew back into his human form. Lupin and Sirius prepare to kill Pettigrew, but are stopped by Harry, who tells them that it was not what James would have wanted. As the group heads back to the castle, the full moon rises, causing Lupin to transform and Pettigrew to escape. Lupin and Sirius fight in their animal forms until Lupin is distracted and runs away after hearing the sound of a female werewolf, later revealed to be Hermione, and Sirius and Harry are attacked by Dementors. As Sirius is kissed and his soul is hanging out of his mouth by a Dementor, um, Dementors <laughs> close in on him and Harry, who are ready to take Sirius's soul and kiss Harry as well. That was also another poorly written sentence. Harry sees a figure in the distance and casts a powerful stag-shaped Patronus, scattering the Dementors and saving their lives. Harry soon falls unconscious like Sirius, and both are motionless. Okay, so the past couple of paragraphs, I think, have kind of breezed past the fact that Sirius is innocent and... Not just innocent, but Harry realizes that along with his innocence, this also means that Sirius is his godfather. And Mm -hmm. Harry's like, oh my gosh, I have a godparent. Like, 
maybe I won't have to live with my aunt and uncle anymore. Maybe like Sirius can be like my new dad and we can have this mm-hmm. life together. And so Harry's really hopeful that like the Dementors won't get him and that he, like Sirius's name can be um, cleared and, you know, that things will work out. So this definitely has a lot of implications that they are not implying in this um Little summary. summary. Yeah, just wanted to kind of exp- expand on that because I think it's important. Harry wakes in the hospital wing, and Hermione tells Harry that the Dementors were going to kiss Sirius, and then Humbledore, Dumbledore arrives. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who wrote this? They tell Dumbledore that Sirius is innocent, and Dumbledore believes them, but warns them that no one is, no one else is likely to. He then cryptically tells Hermione that she may possess the means to save two innocent lives. And warns her to remember the laws and three turns should suffice before leaving. Hermione reveals that she possesses a time turner, which is how she has been taking multiple classes at once. She and Harry travel three hours back in time, watching themselves go through the night's events. They set Buckbeak free and return to the Whomping Willow. They are pursued by Lupin in his werewolf form, but they manage to get away from him by hiding behind a tree. But Lupin finds Harry and Hermione by taking another path and walks up behind them. As he charges toward them to attack them, Buckbeak comes to the rescue and fights Lupin while Harry and Hermione look on. It suddenly becomes windy and cold and they see that the Dementors are flying above their head. They rush over to the lake as the Dementors are about to attack the other Harry and Sirius. Harry realizes that the person he actually saw was himself, not his deceased father, and casts the Patronus himself. After saving his past self and Sirius from the Dementors, Harry and Hermione fly on Buckbeak's back to the tower where Sirius is imprisoned and rescue him. So remember back when we were covering Sorcerer's Stone, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the big line that uh, Ron has at the end when he's like, not me, not mine, you. Right. And there's like this big moment where we realize, like, oh my gosh, like, Harry is just this little boy and he has so much on his shoulders already. And it's, you know, like, kind of like a really big, powerful moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, Harry casting this Patronus charm across the lake and realizing he has the power to do that is the equivalent of that moment. Right. Like, oh my gosh, that's one where I can watch it and I just get chills. I think it's one of the most magical moments in the entire series. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Harry and Sirius share a moment of co- of contemplation as Sirius is still wanted. And without proof of his innocence, he is going to be back on the run. Their relationship will now be sadly fraught with complications and Harry's dream of living with his godfather is shattered. However, Harry takes comfort in knowing that Sirius, although still considered a fugitive, is at last free and safe for the time being. Sirius climbs onto Buckbeak and they fly away. Harry and Hermione make it back to the hospital wing just as Dumbledore leaves. From Dumbledore's point of view, mere seconds after he'd last seen them, telling them they'd succeeded. Dumbledore feigns ignorance and wishes the two a good night. The two walk in just as their past selves go back in time, leaving Ron utterly confused as to what just happened. At the end of the year, Lupin resigns, knowing that people will not want a werewolf to teach their children. Later, Sirius sends Harry a firebolt in an extremely fast racing broom. And Harry flies off on his broom, and the last shot of the movie is this crazy uh, freeze frame of Harry's face close up. So excited. So excited, so happy. 
And something that I kind of had never, I don't know, I had never really put this together, but I heard a YouTuber that I watched say this, that that final shot where, like, his face is blurred, and it almost looks like the same blur effect that they used whenever a Dementor was getting him earlier in the movie. Mm. But this time his face is, like, full of joy and, like, freedom rather than, like, pain and suffering shows Mm. that Harry has fully stepped into his power of overcoming Dementors using joy. Hmm. That Isn't is, that kind of cool? Yeah, that is kind of cool. And I think that going off of this last frame is actually a good place to go talk about differences between the book and the movie. Because yeah. in the book, like this is one of the key differences, he receives the firebolt much, much earlier in the story. And um, it has to be checked for hexes and such um because hermione turns it into mcgonagall yeah because she, she's like well what if it was sent to you by sirius black obviously he's trying to kill you you know little did she know it actually wasn't by sirius and he was trying to just give him a nice present <laughs> yeah after not being around for like what 11 birthdays 12 birthdays right. um yeah and and it, it doesn't really add or take anything away from the story like the the placement of where he gets the firebolt, I think, you know what I mean. Like, the, I think it does in the book because Quidditch is more prevalent in the book. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Harry doesn't have a broom for his upcoming Quidditch game because his last one got ruined mm-hmm. is kind of a bigger deal. But they don't focus on Quidditch as much in the movies, so I don't think it really right. There's only that one match. Right. It doesn't really affect how the story goes in mm-hmm. the book versus the movie because you know. Um. What are some other differences hmm. really this is another pretty faithful adaptation I it really it's is hard for me to think of a lot of differences that's that's the biggest one that i could think of and of course if oh oh i just thought of another thing in the book there's a scene where ron wakes up in the middle of the night screaming claiming he saw serious black standing over him with a knife mm-hmm. um which there actually is a deleted scene of that they actually did film it, but they didn't end up putting it in the movie. But um, that was always like a really scary part to me. I remember mm-hmm. reading it and being like, oh my gosh, Sirius was standing over around with a knife. But it's because he was trying to get the rat. And oh, I thought of another difference. And this is my favorite difference, actually, because I think this is something that really adds to the book. So Snape hates Sirius, hates Lupin. Um, you know, partially because he thinks that they are, uh, one's a murderer and the other one is, uh, working with a murderer, but also because they had, like, beef back when they were schoolboys or whatever. Anyway, so he hates them. He's so excited to see one of them get fired, one of them get the Dementors kissed, and then they get set free. And in the book, Snape comes storming back into the astronom no, into the, um, hospital wing. the hospital wing. Like, Sirius Black is gone. He somehow escaped. And I know Harry had something to do with it. And Harry, who obviously had everything to do with it, but Snape doesn't know he has a time turner, got to just, like, sit in his hospital bed like, what are you talking about? I've been lying in the bed this entire time. Like, how could I have had it? Anyways, I always really like that. That is that is pretty good. But they don't really have Snape freaking out like that in the movie. I kind of wish they did. Me too. Because Alan Rickman's performance as Snape is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you have any more differences that you can think of, um, send them to us, tweet them at us at the, at 
Weisscast or um, email on weisscastpodcast at gmail.com. Um, how about let's get into some ragu or kudu badu. Okay. Doop, doo, doo, doo. Kudu badu. Doop, boo, doop, boop. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kudu Badu. It's the podcast within a podcast where cool dudes talk bad dudes. Aaron and I are the cool dudes, as always. And today, our bad dudes are... Peter Pettigrew. For sure. Um, this is one that Voldemort has, like, zero presence in. Which is another reason why I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, so different. And it's not, like... I don't like Voldemort. Obviously, I think Voldemort's one of the greatest villains of all time. But that's uh, just something that's so starkly different. Yes. Um, I'm going to put Peter Pettigrew as maybe the only, and and of course, you know, Malfoy. Right. Um, Malfoy's kind of a lingering villain. And Snape is, uh, we we kind of whittled it down to antagonist. And Snape is kind of antagonistic in this. Yeah. Um, so we want to say Pettigrew, Snape, and Malfoy. Yeah. Let's do it. Do we want to put them at number one? Or do we want to put them at number two? I would put them at number one, personally. What do you think? I think comparing them to Lockhart, Voldemort... Actually, I kind of want to put them at number two because... Oh. Riddle as Voldemort in mm-hmm. book in movie two is very compelling. That was my thoughts exactly. But the main villain in this movie being Ron's pet rat mm-hmm. is also very compelling. It is. It, and it's it's a, it's a close <laughs> second. Yeah. Know? So Pettigrew, Snape, or Snaps, and Malfoy. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to the next book slash movie because there's just, you know, another like out of left field and I, I feel like we'll have mm-hmm. more villains. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going to get into Kudu Dada. <laughs> <laughs> What's up everybody? Welcome to Kudu Dada, the podcast within podcasts where cool dudes talk defense against the dark arts teacher. I am your host, Aaron Weiss, and I am joined by fellow cool dude. Erica, as usual. Let's take a look at this week's Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Remus, Remus Lupin. Lupin. Number freaking one, baby. And I think... It's not even close. It's Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no, that was right. Yeah, but I didn't mean to... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I thought it just deleted for some reason and... Not... It just went down to the next page. Um, it's fine. Yeah, so... Lupin is number one, and it's not even close. I think even talking about, if we did, like, an entire teacher rank list, Mm -hmm. Lupin would be number one or number two. Oh, for sure. Out of any teacher, not just Defense Against the Darkness teachers. He's fantastic. Um, You know who would also be up there? I say McGonagall, but who are you going to say? I was going to say, what's the, um, Forenzy? Oh, yeah. The, the Defense, or the, um... Divination Centaur teacher? Yeah. He's really good. Um, but he's really only in the books, isn't he? Yep. All right. So, for bad guys, we have number one, Lockhart, Voldemort, Malfoy from Chamber of Secrets. Number two, Pettigrew, Snape, and Malfoy from Azkaban. And number three, Snape, Quirrell, Voldemort, Malfoy from Philosopher's Stone. And for... 
Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers, we have number one, Remus Lupin, number two, Gilderoy Lockhart, and number three, I forget his first name, Quirrell. It starts with a Q. (laughs) Quigley Quirrell. Something like that, for real. Um, Now we are going to score the movie versus the book. Erica, what is your ranking, even though I probably already know what it is? Oh my gosh, I want to say 10 so bad. Can I give the book and the movie a 10? Is that crazy? You can. Let me give the movie a 10 and the book a 9.5. Okay, so movie 10, right? Yep. Book. Oh wait, I gotta give up my score too. Well yeah, but you can... Um... I'm going to give the movie a 9. So our conjoined score being a 9.5. 9.5. And I'm going to give the book also a 9. So it would be 